Okay, everyone. Today we're going to do something a little different on Treks in Sci-Fi. And I, now I've switched into my my speaking voice, my podcasting voice. <laughs> I've always wondered if I have two different voices like that. But anyway, uh, today is it is October the twenty fourth, a week away from Halloween. This will be podcast three hundred and two for the show. And with me on Skype right now, this the audio may sound a little different because I have. Uh, Brompton boy Peter Foltz uh, is with me. Hello, Peter. Hello, Rico. Hello, everybody in the Treks and Sci-Fi community. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, working with you today, Rico. Well, that's great. I, I, I'm I'm really glad to have you here. This was all sort of started uh, way back when I did I don't know the the anniversary show I think, and you had answered a question, and then I, what well, you know the, <laughs> I don't know if it was a real big prize or if it was more oh. of a. <laughs> Oh, well, for me, it's a wonderful prize. Hopefully it's a prize, but the idea was, yeah, someone who would answer or got that question correct would be able to come on with me. Ooh, such a, a special uh, thing. It's a good thing. thing that I share your obsession of Katie Sackhoff, so I was able to answer that question. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that question was really uh, – it, it, it seemed a lot easier to me than, I guess, the, the few people that were uh, in, in the you know chat room at the time and stuff. But anyway, it's a – it's great to have you with me, Peter. And and Peter, in in winning that contest, gets to uh, we get to do a TOS episode and play it and comment on it as we go and and, and heckle it and and <clears throat> complain about William Shatner's toupee and and just all kinds of fun stuff. So right. I never really mention that though that much. I don't think I really say a lot about that. Everyone seems to talk about it in other other comedy things and around. But I don't know. I thought in TOS it actually he, he looks pretty okay with. Uh, with whatever they did to his hair back then. So. It looks very natural. Yeah, I thought so. And it looks very Kirk-like, let's just so. But, uh, well, thanks for taking the time out. I know you had a lot of stuff going on today. And uh, I know you had some work things that came up. And, and all, you know, everyone's busy these days. I don't know what it is. I, I, I think we, there was a, like, a proposal one time that I read that people were talking about wanting to change, like, the clock or something or the, or was it the days of the year or or was it the time in the, the hours in the day but somebody i think both of those things have been talked about before but you know to make it instead of a 24 hour day like a 28 hour day or <laughs> or more days of the year and people were saying oh yeah that'll give you a lot of extra time i'm like well how how do you what do you what do you mean how how will that work that only works if if they do something like this like they turn the 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 day into like 28 hours but you only still like have to work eight of those you know what i mean so which, which would be like working whatever six i don't know I, I won't do the math real quick but it'll be like whatever percentage that would be you know that that doesn't work if they make you then work 10 hours or whatever it's still all the same so uh, we'll, we'll be more productive that way i could just see the un debating that one eh well, you know, our Lynn teaches at her school they've done this thing called block scheduling sometimes where they actually meet don't meet uh every class each day of the week, not like back when I was at least in school where it was like, okay, from, you know, first period was always physics and it was from eight to nine o'clock or whatever next period. And each day was exactly the same. You always were at school at the same time, left at the same time, everything the same each day. And they've done this block thing where they have longer class periods, but they don't meet everyone each day. It's like three of the five days a week and they kind of alternate it. And they did this thing for years and they just finally did. I think they went back to the more traditional schedule finally. Because they realized it really didn't seem to 
changed the, I don't know, what it was supposed to do. Learning was supposed to be better because they had longer class periods right. that way. Yeah. So I think they need class periods about the the length of a YouTube video, though, is what they really need <laughs> right now. To accommodate the uh, expanding attention spans of all the or, uh, Yeah, exactly. You know, or, or as she likes to say, sometimes we're, we're just doomed when she gets, uh, she had something, <laughs> she had, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, she had, she had some expression she told me about some of the students she's got this year and she says their lack of brilliance is amazing or she said it sort of backwards like that and i i said that's pretty funny you know it's like (laughs) an optimistic teacher's view right (laughs) yeah well yeah something like that i i don't know but uh she keeps trying and you know and they they you know it's just it's difficult. It's a hard job. So uh, we oh, yeah, we were just talking about that a little bit earlier because you said your wife was thinking of going into doing some teaching and yeah yeah and I did it myself uh, you know before I started my present job. So I take my hat off to her. She's in the trenches and I admire her for that. Yeah, it's I, I did it for a short time. Yeah, it's it's not an easy uh, not an easy thing. I, and I do recommend if anyone is you know listening and interested, there's this new series uh, that Tony Danza is doing, and I forget what the network is showing it, but he's. Tony Danza is like take it upon himself. They're doing this sort of uh, documentary of he's a teacher in uh, uh, I'm not sure it's somewhere in the east, maybe New York in a school and just basically showing what it's really like. No, no, you know, nothing hidden, just just exactly what it's like to teach day in and day out. And and I think it's a pretty good show. They've uh, they've got, uh, you know, they. You know, you always hear these days about education and what they say about it, and everyone's kind of, you know, it gets a lot of bad press and a bad, you know, uh, a lot of things are, are said about it. But I guess I, I, the thing I like about this is this is just like showing, at least in this particular school, what it's really like. You know, it's not at all doctored. It's not. And, and he's finding out how hard it is, basically, <laughs> to teach anything to anyone, especially, you know, a 15-year-old. So, uh, oh, yeah, so no it's... Uh, yeah. It's a uh, very good, very good thing they're uh, they've got going there, and I think it's on Fridays. So you know, search Tony Danza School or something on Google, and you'll find it. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't want to talk too much. Uh, I thought uh, you know we would just get into the episode itself. Oh, the episode, and I I, I think this is the first time I mentioned it on the podcast. We're gonna look at I, I said TOS episode, but we're gonna look at uh, it's a second season episode. It's called Bread and Circuses. It's the one about. Uh, where they find a planet out there that is sort of still stuck in in Roman times, basically, but it's a little more modern than than Rome was. It's sort of like a 20th century version of Rome, and the Enterprise crew gets you know down to the planet and things happen, you know, and stuff. But we'll be talking about that as we go through the episode. We're going to play the episode, try to sync up and play it together, and and comment as we go. And I've done that before with uh, oh, a couple other people at different times. I know we did it for the classic Spock's brain that one time way back when. That was a lot of, that was fun. Everybody's <laughs> favorite episode, right? Yeah, it's got some moments still in it. You know, it's got some moments. It's, uh, I still can never get over though the fact that they do all this surgery on him and they put his brain in and out. And, and that, that perfect little, you know, hairdo that he's got, that never changes. There's no, it's not mussed up. It's there's no, you know, no yeah. surgery. You know, surgery. Any, I mean, they pulled this whole brain out of there and they put yeah. it back in. You know, he uses the same hair gel Ronald Reagan used to use under the helicopter, right? His hair would I, be I, in place. And... I, I, I think so. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, 
So the only other little, I guess, story that I was going to pass on that I just found out about yesterday, uh, late yesterday, was that Leonard Nimoy, I guess, had to have some emergency surgery. Did you hear about that? I don't know if you've been on. I, I put a little post on the forum about it. I know. I, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, he's okay. I, they didn't really release a lot of information. Uh, basically, it was some kind of, uh, a, they called it abdominal surgery. They don't go again into much detail. They said it was, they did use the word emergency surgery, like he needed to have it right away. It wasn't some kind of wow. plan. Well, see, the thing is, he was supposed to be at a couple of conventions this weekend. And mm -hmm. he, he actually, one was, uh, or is in Chicago. And uh, he had to uh, obviously cancel because of this but i guess everything is okay he's fine he's almost 80 years old and and i guess i think so so is william shatner i think they're they were born in the same year right. so those, those guys are about almost both 80 have you been watching uh so anyway leonard Nimoy, if you're listening i'm sure you are uh we wish you well and hopefully you'll have a speedy recovery and uh, but did you know uh or i, I was going to ask you sorry that um are you watching that new william shatner comedy show at all Peter? No, I, no, I haven't. I, I haven't. I, I've been uh, meaning to uh, to get that on the on the TiVo, the DVR rather, to catch up. Yeah, with. it's it's kind of okay. I I probably the only reason I've really been catching it is it's on right now after the Big Bang Theory, so I'll have that on, and then I just kind of leave the TV on because I usually watch Fringe, which is on after you know at nine o'clock that night or whatever, eight central or whatever. Uh, so I usually leave it on, and I only kind of usually half watch it, but it, it, it's all right. William Shatner, I think, is still pretty funny, and uh, he still seems like he's in pretty good health and pretty oh, spry yeah. for heck. When, I, I hope I'm as as active as he is when I'm 80 years old. I, oh, I, yeah, he's got tons of energy, and he's yeah, got, he he can laugh at himself too. I want to take uh, whatever pills or whatever he eats and, and drinks or whatever. I want to I want to be on the William Shatner. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna be I want to be on the William Shatner diet, but I, I think he could eat a little bit. <laughs> I think he could trim down a, a little. Right, right. He's not in his Kirk, his fit uh, TOS Kirk days, that's for sure. But uh, no, no, indeed, no, indeed. But, but I, when you're perfect like me, you can't criticize somebody that way. <laughs> well, not exactly. It's more yeah. of I always try to say it's just more of an observation. So, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's not a bad show. There, there, there's some funny moments. I heard it got picked up for the whole year, so it's they're gonna have at least a whole season of it. So. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, check it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And uh, I, I, I just get amazed that a guy like him is still still actively wanting to do a regular, like, week-in and week-out uh, uh, TV series. Because I even remember reading it, some of his comments and some books and some stories about when he was back on TOS and how grueling it was to be on a TV series. And I think it's a little bit easier and a little bit better these days for him. Right. Uh, on that show, probably I'm sure that they they that the schedule isn't quite as tough as it was in TOS when they would film you know six days a week at like 15, 16 hours every day and that kind of junk. But still, it's got to still be pretty hard to uh, to do that, especially for a guy that's almost 80. You know, yeah, I don't even want to get up in the morning some days, you know, to go do a normal eight hour job that you know I'm not on camera and bright lights and and all that, uh, you know, so. Well, you know, I think you're pretty driven yourself. I mean, you have a lot of irons in the fire here, but that's what keeps him going. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a good, that's a good point, Pete. You know, there, there's like, it, I, I've, I've heard that from a lot of different people, especially people that I, I've known that are getting a little older, you know, like relatives and stuff and, and like my, uh, my wife's mom and my mom and stuff. And they all, they all say basically the same thing. They just say, keep busy, keep moving, keep active and all that, yeah. they, you know, yeah. so. 
So, uh, yeah, I've uh, and I've also heard stories of guys that retired, you know, within weeks, you know, something bad happening to them, you know, them dying. And it's yeah. like, you know, they just don't have that regular routine any, anywhere or anymore. So maybe that's a good yes. thing. It's all about inertia, right? You have to keep the same state just of keep, motion. Just keep doing it. Yep, just right. keep doing it. So, um, hey, uh, I wanted to ask you before we really get into the episode mainly, um, we went back and forth a little bit about what episode to talk about and what to cover. This one was uh, this one kind of was one of your picks that you thought would be a good one. Is this a kind of a particular favorite of yours? Or yeah, was I, that- have, I have a lot of nostalgia for this episode because it's one of the the first shows that I ever saw. Uh, you know, when they first started coming out in reruns, I oh, went back okay. far enough where my parents I saw an original broadcast show when I was like four or five years old. And I remember that, but this is the one that I really remember. I had a one, one of my best friends, and I had to be maybe ten years old when I saw this in, in reruns. One of my best friends was was a had seen it earlier, and he kept telling me how you have to watch this episode. And he was very enthusiastic about the Roman slave girl wearing a dress. So, <laughs> so he pressed me to watch this, and I I watched it, and I was hooked on the show immediately. So okay, all right, well, good. Well, we're gonna just take a very short break, and then when we come back, we will. Uh, We will try to get synced up here, and uh, we will get into the episode from TOS from the season, second season, uh, Bread and Circuses. So we'll be right back. Okay. Coming soon, the exciting follow-up to my Stargazer music project, the short story and musical journey of M.W. Orbit. Greetings. I am M.W. Orbit. Is there anyone there? Join M.W. Orbit, NASA's first artificially intelligent deep space probe, as he visits the Milky Way galaxy looking for life. MW updates his blog on where he is on his journey. He takes your email and Twitters and answers questions. Then, in a few weeks, he'll be downloading his journey interpreted through music. Initiating translation. w-orbit.com to read up on MW's progress. Coming soon, MW Orbit, the new interactive story and music project by me, Rick Moyer. Join MW as he journeys through the Milky Way galaxy, searching for life. Visit mw-orbit.com today.
All right, here we go into Bread and Circuses from Season 2 of TOS. Space debris comes from these survey vessels. I was wondering if Leonard Nimoy got kind of like blinded by looking in that scanner with that blue light. I wonder if he has back problems leaning over like that. Yeah, he's a fairly tall guy. You know, they should have made it a little taller for him. Yeah, the Federation should hire some ergonomic specialists, I think. Well, you noticed on uh, Enterprise, T'Pol had something kind of like that, but she was actually able to sit down and look through it. But his isn't really set up for that. He's got a chair there that he uses sometimes. But uh, but he never he can't really do that scanner uh, without uh, and, and still sitting down at the same time. So. Perhaps he needs a note from Doctor McCoy. Yeah, yeah. Standard orbit around planet. There may be survivors there. S S Beagle. I always Small wondered, you know, well, they, they've done, have you watched, you've probably seen the blooper reels from the original series, right? I have, where they walk into the doors and... Yeah, and, and did you see the one where they edited Captain in that he was looking through his scanner there, but he was seeing, like, the green Orion slave girl dancing, basically, <laughs> they, they kind of edited it together from, uh, from uh, the, uh, the two-parter. Right, right, well... That's what the public wants, right? New faces. From Menagerie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely Class M. Now, this so would be a scene here. We're watching the original version of this episode. The land masses and but the, this is a part where they would have shown a different version of the planet the below. Exactly you know, they, they did a better graphic, really, than the kind of crude 1960s style uh, planet that they show on the view screen. I watched the remastered one earlier in the week, and they put two moons around it as well. Exactly, in some ways. Oh, okay. Cool. Did they show that sometime during the episode in the sky at night? I'm trying to recall that or not, or did they just sort of... Yeah, I think that they showed that when... Well, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. When they actually start walking into the city before they get captured, they had a good horizon shot with two moons. Okay, so... A news broadcast using a system I think they once called video. Television <laughs> was the colloquial term. I've always enjoyed these when they go back, sort of in a way, in this episode, even though it's a alien planet, but they're going back to Earth in the time, sort of, that they filmed the episode in, in a way. Well, what are the odds of that happening? Right? Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, Voyager did the same thing. You know, they visited the Earth in the late 1990s. the world of sports. And bringing you the tape results of the arena games last night. The first heat I'll home. tell you what, though, when you think about this, you know, now that I've seen this, Peter, these these gladiator games during this episode, it kind of reminds me a lot of the uh, the reality TV that we get these days. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, you know, right? I mean, I've heard. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Oh boy, Gene Roddenberry predicts the future again. Right, he's spot on with so many things. Right? Well. You know, have you ever seen that TV, uh, the the one show called uh, Wipeout, where they're they're going through these obstacle courses, these people are, and it's pretty brutal, and uh, they're not really fighting other people really, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's very much like reality TV. Huh. Interesting. You know, I think I have seen. I saw there's like a Japanese version of that, right? Yes, exactly. Well, the ja- yeah, the Japanese have quite a few of those kinds of shows. Some really nasty ones that that, that people get down. pretty beat up and hurt in. Oh, I think the dog's life being on one of those shows in uh, Japan. I guess. I hope they're paid at least enough to compensate her to cover their uh, cover their medical bills. Yeah, that, that 15 minutes of fame comes at a price. Yeah, so this um, 
see, this episode was uh, written by Gene Roddenberry and Gene Kuhn. They wrote the teleplay uh, and, uh, from a, a story by uh, another author, another writer, I should say, John Newble. Uh, Roddenberry and Kuhn, though, received a full writing credit for this on their own. It was filmed in uh, the fall and September of 1967 and appeared during that year of the, of the of TOS second season. About and It's about midway in this, in this second season. And you said this was one of the first episodes that you ever saw, right? Peter? Yeah, it was the first one I saw on rerun. I've seen one or two live uh, broadcasts. Yeah, that's really interesting. You always remember kind of that. It's like your, you know, your first love or something. <laughs> Right. I remember very distinctly, I think, too, the, the first episode of TOS I ever saw, which was um, from the original uh, first season. Uh, Tomorrow was yesterday was uh, was the first, I think, episode I ever caught in reruns. That's another great Yeah, yeah. I remember it starts out, you know, they're using showing those Air Force jets taking off and things. And I'm like, what is this show? And then they, they you know, they, they sort of scan up and they see that you see the spaceship, the Enterprise in the sky and I go, wow, this is pretty cool. I gotta watch this. And right. Yeah, I used to, it was like a like an F-104 Starfighter pilot, I think, right? So now they're out in the hills, the usual place they always beam down to when in the hills of California. <laughs> right, look, looking suspiciously like uh, Woodland Hills, California. Yeah, and they, they beam down in, in complete Starfleet uniforms here, too, not even trying to blend in at all. Century. Yeah, what, what, something about the Prime Directive? Never heard of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, they, they play pretty loose with that in the original series. Right. More of a Prime suggestion. Yeah, it's just a suggestion. I believe that was a term. I had no idea you were that much of a historian, Doctor. I am not, Mr. Spock. I was simply trying to stop you from giving us a whole lecture on the subject. Ah, Dr. Tell McCoy. Me, at all we know about this planet? Always has some good DSS lines. DeForest Kelly. Make a survey of he, the looks, he looks at ease there. You know, he looks like he should be and wearing a Western outfit of some sort. You know, no Western hat. Oh, yeah. Have you watched no him in many of his old West movies that he did? I have. I've seen yeah. him in many. Uh, yeah, he was a... That's one of the things he always said. He was very amazed they cast him in this role because he was he played such a nasty bad guy in so many movies before this. Right. And here he's a he's a doctor, he's a healer, and not shooting people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's always one of the guys wearing black in those shows. see the humor in that situation, doctor. Naturally. You could hardly claim to be an angel with those pointed ears, Mr. Spock. But say you landed someplace with a pitchfork. Now, did the shot just go off for you? Did you hear that? Yes, it did, yeah. Okay, we're in sync still. Okay, good. Yep. Now, here, here Kirk's going for his phaser. Oh, nope, don't do it. Right. I said don't move. I think he means it, Spot. Is that was the Soldiers of the One? Oh, no, no, wrong episode. Wrong TV show. Soldiers of the One. <laughs> oh, Caprica. Caprica, you could be great. You could you just, be. You could be great, Caprica, but not yet at least. We'll see. I'm going to stick with it. I have yeah, confidence I'm, in Ron Moore. Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I want, I want to believe. Yeah, yes. I want it to succeed. It's not... Not awful. It's it just could be better. You come from another province. Caprica Six would pick it up a little bit. I always me. like these guys' shirts that they wear in these this the sweatshirt thing, cut off sleeves with the little chain like insignia from? kind of thing. Right. I always wanted one of those. I oh, in all the collectibles I've ever seen. I call them ears. I don't know if I've ever seen one of those. Someone make one of those. Colloquial. Well, that'd be a great idea. English. An amazing. You should parallel. put that in the next uh, edition of the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi T-shirt. 
Yeah. I don't know if you've even heard. Universe. Slaves, you're slaves to Treks in sci-fi. <laughs> now let me look up real quick. Who's this actor here? Let's see. Da, 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 da. I'm checking the the wonderful Logan Ramsay was it or William Smithers? Memory Alpha here. Let's see. There are a couple old faces in this program that we've seen in a few other shows. And, uh, we're just uh, meeting one of them here. Septimus, right? Yeah. I yeah, half but... expect him to put Kirk on a gurney and try and push him through a time portal. Ha 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 All of our yesterdays, right? That this I wanted to. Yeah, he gets he, around. Ian Wolf. Always in your mind, Flavius. That's the, uh, which the older right? gentleman's name. Yeah, Claudius is Logan Ramsey. Are you children of the sun? Well, uh, if you're speaking of worships of sorts, we represent many beliefs. There is only one true belief. Yeah, you know what? It's a good thing you brought up Caprica, because there are some uh, some definitely similarities and parallels to what's going on on this planet. You know, basically the idea of, of, of one god versus many gods. Right. Sir, right, and the uh, with some and the monotheists are the seditionists here too, right? I mean, yes, know. exactly, they exactly. They are they are the rebels, basically. Have you heard of such men, Septimus? I know killing is evil, but sometimes it's necessary. No, but they've located us, our hiding place. It's better to kill a few of them than all of us. Wait. I can prove we're telling the truth. Ian Wolf, Septimus looks like uh, Picard. I'll take it out. <laughs> You're right. Maybe a pension or uh, Picard, right? I mean, look at that nose, the head. He, he's uh, same hairdo, right? Yeah, he's, uh, basically. No noble bearing. About the same size and stuff. Not a really big guy. How many of us are there? Twelve, Captain. Good, Scotty. Continue at least two or three other uh, Star Trek episodes, wasn't he? I mean, he was the, the, the librarian in all our yesterdays. You notice the communicator there. There's no glass on the communicator. You notice That's that. I, I just you. wanted to mention that to ah, uh, all the iPhone 4 listeners. So. You will have to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I had this thought about the communicator. You know, they've always talked about Star Trek and, you know, having having a lot of influence like that, on modern maybe, cell phones. And and, uh, and people Otherwise, say, boy, that communicator looks really crude and everything yeah. like that. You know, there's no video. There's no apps. And, uh, <laughs> except, you know, when you, this is what you got to think about. That that communicator, it, it's getting pretty darn good bars, pretty good reception. They're talking to a ship in space. Can you hear me now, Scotty? Exactly. So... They dwell in caves not far from a large city. So I, I, I still would take that communicator over any any cell phone these days. So. I don't know. Lately, I've been having like some. Earth. An I, amazing I, example most buildings, it seems like, I go into just seem to be for my, my cell phone, which is a fairly Rome, inexpensive, nothing, you know, fancy thing. But it, it just, you can't make calls in buildings, you know? Years, when are they, they going to fix that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you buy these expensive no, things, you pay these I'm expensive sure rates, and you walk into, like, any store or building, and all of a sudden, boom, nothing. I know. I have an iPod myself. I have the 3GS, and when I sit at my desk at work, it's dead. If I get up and walk Mother across the, the hallway, I get a nice signal. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to this. A little, oh, I get off that cell phone. I, I, got, I segued. I do that. But... Every now and then that happens. Yeah. I just wonder what they're drinking when they drink stuff on these shows. But... 
Jupiter 8, man. Oh, I love the magazine. The, the Galleon. This has to be like a, you know, Mad Men on that planet, right? Creating these, yeah. uh, this yeah. advertising campaign for the Jupiter 8. The Jupiter 8. Conventional internal combustion engine. He does look very much like Picard. Jupiter 8? Oh, yeah. Mars toothpaste. Neptune bath salts. Taken from the names of false gods. When I was a senator, I worshipped them too. But I heard the words of the sun. I became a brother. Yeah, this is another one of those, you know, finding these parallel type Earths out there in a way where they had very similar, you know, starts to their culture. Where they, they're, you know, they're worshipping gods. They just happen to be Roman gods. Very uh, convenient. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, one of these guys, McCoy, has to be saying, you know, I'm glad I studied Latin in high school. What I always think about this when people will say, oh, how in the world could that happen when they run into planets that are so similar to ours? And I say, well, just think about how many stars and how many solar systems are out there. And then just, you know, you almost could, you know, theorize that there'd be a place where, that you know, just about anything that you could imagine would come up. You know what I'm saying? Just because of the percentages and the numbers, it's like, of course, they seem to happen to run into a lot of them. But... They have an episode once where this Greek god came back, was it honest, I think, and yeah. kind of hinted that, that some of the planets had been seeded by, by his people. Right, Wherever right. We well, we, from, yeah, I think our, you know, Rick Pete and I talked a little bit about that on last week's show, too, about, you know, they've, they've referenced that in a few other Trek episodes of... If Captain right. Merrick is Merrickus, then he has violated that law and he must be taken away and punished. Will you help us to get to the truth of all this? First, I must discuss now, Who are these the others, others, and who? why are they discussing it together? <laughs> now, uh, Captain Kirk's in that standard second season Some uniform, right? Days. With the, the plunging neckline. Yeah, I always kind of like that. I like the fact that they gave the captain, you know, a little something different to wear. Kind of like they gave Picard that jacket that he wore in a a few uh, episodes for a season or so in in TNG. Of course, he mostly wore that jacket, I think, usually when he went off ship, right? They wore it on the ship sometimes, but... We have decided... Flavius will guide you. I like how they kind of focus in on the sun on this, this, uh, this shot here. I caution you. Take great yes. care. Yes. Believe that they are really talking about the, the sun, S-U-N. May the blessings of the sun. Yeah, they lead you along in that, definitely. Now, some of these shots here were actually filmed really close. Some of the caves that they were in were filmed near the Hollywood, the famous Hollywood sign. Some of this, some of this area here has been some of the, uh, according to the Wikipedia or not, well, the Memory Alpha Wiki, is uh, has been used for movies and TV quite a bit over the years. So some of it looks familiar. Not to know of Flavius Maximus. For seven years, I was the most successful gladiator in this province. Then you heard the word of the sun. Yes words of peace and freedom it wasn't easy for me to believe i was trained to fight but the words 
words are true. There are many things I'd like right, to know. Here's a cue for the Romans to arrive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hands in the air. I was trying to dig up a little bit about where they got some of the costuming for this. You know, if it was some stuff that was on Paramount's lot at the time, in the studios. Or if it was, uh, if it was stuff that they had to create. You know, a lot of this that they, you know, Trek had a very limited budget. So they tried to use a lot of stuff that was, you know, available without having to create a lot of new things and spend money. Yeah, I love the uniforms that these, uh, these Romans have. Oh yeah, very, very you know, military-ish, and, and they just look, uh, been too just look perfect, really. Games, yeah, they look like a riot squad, right? I mean, yeah. Police-era, uh, 1960s-era uh, riot helmets for police with Runaway the chin guards. And, are yep, welcome. exactly. Bush jacket and jack boots and riding pants. Oh, not slave. Barbarian. Long time Have you ever figured out that reference with Spock and the Barbarian thing? I, I know they're referring to some of the crew of, of Merrick's ship as Barbarians, but are there supposed to be like other, you know, Barbarians on this planet itself that have like weird ears? Or what, what was your ever comment or thought about that? You know, I... I think that I'm guessing that they must have seen something aboard the uh, some of the other crew members from the Beagle, right? Which is the ship that, uh, right, that the, the Enterprise, ship, right. right, Merrick ship that they're hunting here. So perhaps they saw somebody else or some other. There was a of couple alien. of Vulcans on his ship or something like right. that. Yeah, maybe it would be great to see like an Andorian in the arena, huh? Citizen, why would yeah. you bother with arena bait like you? Tell him it's Jim Kirk. Perhaps a friend. Perhaps. Well, if I am a friend, and you don't tell him, do you really want to risk that? Uh, the classic line when you're getting locked up, it's like, uh, hey, tell your boss I'm in here or whatever. And, uh, That's right. You you'll know, be, you'll, you'll be, be sorry if you don't. Yeah? Exactly. I'm friends with, you know, the top guy or one of the top guys. Do you know who I am? <laughs> this prison looks suspiciously familiar. But if they're having yeah, so yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. We've seen some, you know... Cat's paw, especially. Long ago, right. there were rebellions, but they were suppressed. And with each century, the slaves acquired. This is also an episode that uh, has uh, a lot of bloopers from it. Medicine, if you do watch the blooper reel, there are a lot of bloopers. Some of them are actually not even scenes that were in the episode itself. Uh, for example, one one big one is Ted Cassidy, who was in the episode "What, what Are Little Girls Made Of." was was filming a, a nearby series uh, uh, called The My New Adventures of Huck Finn. Oh, and since that, he had yeah. since he had been on TOS before, they set up this little thing where he comes running into the scene and picks up William Shatner like a like a doll and just carries him off and they set this whole thing up and uh, they used it it was like the first shot of the day to sort of you know get things everyone comfortable and rolling and Medical but Ted Cassidy isn't in this episode at all, but he's in the blooper reel for this episode. I'll have to definitely check that out. Hopefully that's up on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Just, yeah, it's, uh, there's two or three different ones, uh, reels of, of TOS bloopers. And you'll definitely see him. This big guy comes running into the cell and picks up William Shatner. And, he, and Shatner yells out, but this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. <laughs> Call my agent. Yeah. The beginning of the empire. The message of the sun that all men are brothers was kept from us. Perhaps I'm a fool to believe it. 
It does often seem that a man must fight to live. You go on believing it, Flavius. All men are brothers. Yeah, those 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 motorcycle helmets and these guys are kind of funny looking. Yeah, and the same brown belts. Yeah. Doesn't look like these guys uh, play around. In the uh, the sword, they have a Roman sword. It's called the Gladius. You've already been matched for the morning games. Come. I will not fight. Gladius Hispanicus. I'm a brother of the sun. Put a sword in your hand and you'll fight. I know you, Flavius. You're as peaceful as a bull. It's another classic kind of a thing for Trek and stuff. You know, they're trying to be peaceful. The guys from the future, you know, in a way, are in the, you know, more advanced or more peaceful. And, you three and, come with us. And there he's refusing yeah, to fight. We may never have a better chance. No talking. Outside. Roddenberry's optimistic view of the future. Yep. And this classic, you know, oh, he's sick. One Outside. of the prisoners is sick. <laughs> These guys have never seen that, you know, that before, right? Yeah. I think I can walk out. I'll try. Yeah, DeForest Kelly sells it pretty good. He's like, oh, my guts. He's even mixing it up pretty well there. Oh yeah, yeah. McCoy knows how to handle himself. You'll, you'll see that in a few episodes, and they they take these guys out pretty quick. Now uh, here's Brother Maricus, I should say. Coming to uh, yeah. the party. They've been handling yeah. slaves here for two thousand years. It was exciting. In the proconsul. Yes. Well in the arena. Well, I, yeah, I know I've seen the proconsul on some other programs as well. Yes, it's me. I think I've seen both these guys that play these parts here. This is our proconsul, Claudius Marcus. This is no place for a reunion. This way. Yeah, it's William Smithers is the is Merrick or Merrickus, who's you know Captain Merrick from the Beagle. Lots to talk about. I thought you said Waylon Smithers there for a moment. <laughs> I agree. Don't judge me before you know the facts. Come on, we can talk freely here. The proconsul knows who and what we are. Well, yeah, I see you like to break the prime directive too. Yeah. <laughs> I see what's become of your oath. Yes. Oh, now there's the young lady that my friend was so enthusiastic about. Uh, uh, let's see, Drusilla is that her name? I think in this. I think so very good. Very good. Well, I'll have my cheat sheet up too. So, but I, I do remember that. I think she says that at one point in this. You know, a lot of times the the girl in the episode, in, in a lot of them, you, you never even really know her name. But in Trek, at least in TOS, referred to as the green girl on the script, right? Yeah. It's a pity we can't let him loose in our hospitals. Our level of medicine would improve immeasurably, I'm sure. Come, you must be hungry, gentlemen. Yes, I guess that means you're a slave, right? right. She, yeah, she has them kind of on the side, or lengthwise, yeah. Right, right. What happened? We had meteor damage, Jim. I went ashore with the landing party to look for iridium ore for repairs, and I. So Rico, if I understand this properly, Merrick was like a merchant. Marine captain, right? He wasn't a, an actual starship officer. He washed out of the academy at some point. Yes, yes, exactly right. Which is one of the things that I really like a lot about this episode because it's something you don't get to see a lot in Trek, and, and it puts a different perspective on how elite, you know, Kirk and his crew are. Really, 
Did they voluntarily be? Come ashore? This is an ordered world, Jim. A conservative world based on time-honored Roman strengths and virtues. What happened to your crew? There's been no war here for over 400 years, Jim. Could let's say your land of that Captain same Kirk era... Captain Kirk looking very disapprovingly at Merrick. I think you can see why they don't want to have their stability contaminated by dangerous ideas of other ways and other places. Interesting. And given a conservative empire, quite understandable. Are you out of your head? I said I understood it, Doctor. I find the checks. Yeah, there's a good the good discussion here a little bit between McCoy and Spock. I like Actually, this too. Telling us he prefers it over Earth history. Yeah, what would an episode be without that sort of banter between the first three world Oh, definitely, yeah. And I think we need we need to see a lot more of that in the next uh, Trek movie too. Right. Oh, yeah. To the six million who died in your first world war. The fact that their lives are hanging in the balance—that's not quite enough tension for the scene. We need to throw in a little tension between the two characters. Yes. Yes. Well, it's it's uh you know that's part of uh that's what part of the original series is what makes it great is like even when things are falling apart around them that they have time to do that stuff. Right? Yeah, gotta love it. What happened to your oath is obvious. And as for my men, those that were able to adapt to this world are still alive. Those who couldn't adapt are dead. That's the way it is with life everywhere, isn't it? You sent your own men into yeah. the arena. Just as I did, Merrick Jim, just looks like just such a wuss. I just have to say it, you, you know. He just it looks impossible. just Star they got a good guy for this. Designed. I mean, he's a good actor and all, but he just doesn't look, you know. He just looks kind of slimy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he looks to me he looks kind of weak and, and ship, you know, wishy wishy washy. I mean, look at between the two of them, Kirk looks resolute like an iron man of iron. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, he's Merrick's just sitting there drinking the wine. Kirk is assessing what's going on. You're oh, a beaten man, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. And, and and it also shows that this is why he washed out of the academy. You know? He just didn't have what it takes. Right, yeah, he had you know, that character flaw. Right? Going to be a revolution. Anyway, well, he would never, Kirk would never sacrifice his crew. He would never party. do the kinds of things and the compromises that this men. guy has done. So. It added up the right. same. Do you really believe I can be made to order my own people down? I believe this, Captain... But you it's good to know that he ultimately them. redeems himself. Uh, rather than oh, yeah. See these oh, yeah. Friends you know. put slowly to death. And then this guy, you know, the, the proconsul just thinks he knows a starship captain, and he doesn't. Jim. You know, where he's like, oh, I, I, I'll kill Kirk and McCoy if you don't have your men Kirk come down. It's like, that doesn't matter still. Scotty, if you have a fixed... Right, you know, he's judging all the Starfleet officers from this, uh, you know, this one example that he's met. Stand by, Scotty. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's interesting to see you know, how xenophobic he is really and no how he's so, so adamant to keep any yeah, sort of cultural contamination away from this new Rome. Yes, now, yes. Well, he knows I think they're on shaky ground already. Yeah. You've got these, these one God worshippers on one side, and he's, you don't need any more if even crazy ideas you know, out there. About yeah, other worlds and other cultures. The combined armies of our entire empire. I don't want anybody to pull the covers back and see what's really going on there. Right. Don't look behind the curtain. Right. right. I believe you all swear you die before you'd violate that directive. Am I right? Quite correct. Spock's looking cool and collective throughout this whole ordeal. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but on the other hand, why even bother to send your men down? From what I understand, <laughs> your vessel could lay... Well, imagine if you had war on this away for world. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, you know. Well, the, you know, the thing is that there was a book. Let's see yeah, if I can find the reference. But there was a book that went into uh, um, visiting this world again, like 100 years later. I'm trying to find the name here. Scotty, sorry to keep you waiting. We were becoming concerned. Oh, you know what? I, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I think that is. to come down. Condition green, all's well, Kirk out. I know it's on Memory Alpha here. I just was Shall reading about it earlier. Prepare them for the games. The Captain's Honor? Is that it? Yes. Yes. The Captain's Honor. Set 100 Academy years after this test. encounter. This is for yep. real. They're taking you to die. I didn't know that. I stumbled about that when I was there. Yep. The novel details how the alternate realm conquered their world and then explains that 100 years later, they have already achieved spaceflight. And they're almost on a technological par with the Federation. So. Wow. Well, the Romans were really, you know, pretty efficient when you think about it. I mean, they accomplished a lot. And, and, you know, even though there's a lot of people suffering, it, it, you know, but but that that uh, you can get a lot done when you basically, you know, have slave labor. Right? Yeah, they were marvelous engineers. It looks like they might be demanding a piece of the Federation's action as well. A piece of the action, right? Exactly. That may take some it's always a good episode when Scotty gets a good man, too, for a bit. They're in trouble, and I'm under orders not to interfere. So this is what, Condition Green, right? Where they're no in jeopardy, but take no action. Yeah, basically a little code thing they've got set up that uh, no means that, uh, you know, just, just uh, we're, you know, giving them the, you know, the high sign of, yeah, we got a problem here, but, but, but stay back right now. What was that code that he used in another episode where Scotty was going to start bombarding the planet at some point? Good evening, ladies ah, and gentlemen. Ah, there's a whole Live bunch of them. Uh, City yeah. Arena and in color, we bring you Name the Winner, brought to you tonight by... This is one of the things I love about this episode, the TV just studio. just a moment, tonight's first heat. And how they worked in a 1960s TV studio and, you know, what, how, and how a Roman culture would take advantage of it. Yeah. Create this reality programming. It's really wonderful. Yeah, and they bring Kirk in. He's actually got, like handcuffs on him now so we can't try to get out there and help or interfere plus he's got two guys with guns sticking to his back so that doesn't... right that, that's his motivation yeah and now we get kirk and mccoy or not kirk and mccoy but sorry spock and mccoy coming in to, to fight in the arena stand by 10 seconds and first tonight, ladies and gentlemen, a surprise This announcer guy here, I think, was a real announcer, you know, uh, Bart LaRue, uh, that I think has the kind of voice you'd expect to be doing, like, you know, this kind of thing, announcing events on a, on a show. This is a big send-up, really, of old TV, too, with the... the the mechanical cat calls and, and right. claps and everything. Right, the laugh track, right? Yes, exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know just as much the, about the that laugh, moment as I The do laugh track, this is your the, program. the cheers, you all that stuff is all just the fake. And of course, they get some armor on the, uh, the two guys. At least they gave the uh, McCoy and Spock a shield each. Why you? 
It's a lucky thing from McCoy there that the. Uh, oh, that the Flavius that their buddy uh, Flavius is the one who is supposed to fight him, and he he basically yeah. isn't. They they just sort of faking it a little bit. The right. Things could have gone differently from McCoy if. Uh, or, of course, the guy that's fighting Spock isn't really holding. But Spock really has no problem with this guy. Well, I don't think he'll even break a sweat. No, not really. I like him. I like how Spock fights him too. He's just very efficient. He's just blocking all his blows. He's not really attacking. He's just to begin with really defensive. Kind of reason with the Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, he's a Vulcan. He doesn't want to hurt anyone if he can avoid it. That's what. Even with crazy aliens that are all, you know, still living in Roman times. My favorite lines there were they. Oh yeah. Flavius about bringing down the ratings of the. Yeah, we're gonna do a special on you if you don't snap into it. If these Nielsen numbers aren't right. Yeah. Question, Captain. The rules. If Spock should finish his man off first, will he be able to help? We believe men should fight their own battles. The weak will die. My word is a Roman. Ready to order your men down, Captain? Maybe now you understand why. You wonder how, how far we are away from the Romans have always been the strongest. Oh, that's that's Pete's phone this time, everyone. Not my phone. <laughs> the games have always strengthened us. Death becomes a familiar pattern. We don't fear it as you do. No, it's not Kelly phone thing. Well, that's good. <laughs> At least defend yourself. I am defending myself. Who'll hold your weapon higher? find these games frightening, revolting. Captain Kirk was not impressed at all by this violent display. He's seen far worse. Yeah, he's trying He's trying to, you know, put on a good face. Definitely. And you can see the pro console getting frustrated with him. I would imagine Merrick gave in quite a bit earlier. Yes, I think so. I had to select men to die before so that others could be saved. You're a clever liar, Captain Kirk. Maricus was a spaceship, Captain. I've observed him thoroughly. Your species has no such strength. He commands not just a spaceship proconsul, but a starship. A very special vessel and crew. I tried for such command. That's one of my favorite lines in this, where where Merrick says that you know, when the guy proconsul says, you know, I've studied him, he's a spaceship captain like you, Kirk. And Merrick says, no, 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 you know, Kirk commands not just a spaceship but a starship. I, I just like that line a lot. Just again shows that these guys are the best of the best. And you've underestimated them. You can cut from a different crop. Yes. Completely still the yeah. time for the <laughs> he, He's not even like looking. He's holding up the shield and just turns away, talking to Spock. 
hammering away and it feels like a hammer to an angle. The Spock just pounds this guy to the ground, the other guy, when he sees McCoy in trouble. Right. Spock's giving up the pretense of holding the guy off. Yeah, I'll take y'all on. Come on. Fire foul, Proconsul. Your decision? Your opinion, Maricus. After all, they're like yourself. It's your decision, Proconsul. Your opinion, Captain Kirk. You'd like me to kill them now, an easy death? Then you'd gladly accept whatever happens to you. Take them back to their cage. I always find it interesting in movies and TV when they use this kind of strategy to get people to do what they want. For them, Captain. You know, basically, uh, all right, do what we want or I'm going to kill your friends. It's 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 like an incomplete bluff. It's like, Take it to my if you kill them, I'll never do what you want. So you'll never get what you want. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, there's two. He could do something to one of them. But I've always had a problem with that strategy in any movie or TV. And it, they, they do sometimes call people on it, basically. You know, they'll say, well, if you do what you say you're going to do, you'll never get what you want. So, in other words, you've got really no power over me. I guess the idea is that, the you know, the person might be so afraid that they'll do it, that they'll cave and they'll give in, you know. So. Right, right. And here's Drusilla in the weirdest, one of the weirdest outfits uh, that Trek ever did, you know. It's, like, made out of, like, aluminum foil. <laughs> That's her work attire. Yeah, well, her... Her evening outfit, uh, you know, as opposed to the, the sweatshirt uh, look earlier. Yeah, she was like, what, this old thing? Oh, I just slipped into it. For this evening, I was This also shows slave. very carefully that you'll notice you don't see her belly button here. Command with this yes. outfit. Yeah. There was a big thing in this era of TV, and Gene Roddenberry ran into this lots of times, especially with Kirk and his... Uh, predilection for alien girls but <laughs> right they they had a big problem with showing belly buttons female you know well guys never showed them whatever he has in mind guys hardly ever had their shirt off except for that, but, and brian are you listening brian <laughs> but but anyway yeah this costume basically her whole sides are open her arms and all that but her belly button Where there's a little fabric over that like, can't, can't Barbara, see that Barbara, Barbara Eden on i dream of genie right it was in the same period and she had to cover that up yeah it's pretty crazy really when you think about it uh you know they, they're wearing barely any costume but boy you can't show that belly button so what gene did in, there was a movie a, a tv movie he did called genesis 2 which i think i've talked about i know i've covered that before but when he got to that to cover that it was sort of the future of earth the girls on there the, some of the people on there had two belly buttons and he said this is going to make up for all those times i couldn't show belly buttons on star trek i'm going to give people two belly buttons on my show this new show so. <laughs> you know and it even carried well i, I remember that i remember what was that something Hartman genesis was name? genesis 2 oh you mean uh the Parker. actress yeah uh hartley hartley, hartley that's it yeah right. mm-hmm she was in, also in All Our Yesterdays, which you mentioned earlier. Right. Six degrees of separation with all these actors in the 60s. Yes, definitely. Uh, maybe they're jokes. I don't know. As Jim says, we're not often sure ourselves. Now McCoy's but, trying to uh, apologize and or at least say doctor. thank you to Spock for saving him. The congenial doctor. Well, what I'm trying to say is you saved my life in the arena. Yes, that's quite true. 
I'm trying to thank you, you pointed-eared <laughs> hobgoblin. Oh, yes, you humans have that emotional need to express gratitude. You're welcome, I believe, is the correct response. However, Doctor, you must remember that I'm entirely motivated by logic. The loss of our ship's surgeon, whatever I may think of his relative skill, would mean a reduction in the efficiency of the Enterprise, and therefore... Oh, why? You're not afraid to die, Spock. You're more afraid of living. Looks like for a couple minutes here, he's actually getting through to Spock, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He, he always has been able to. Spock just doesn't really always acknowledge it or, you know, admit to it. I don't think he wants to give uh, the doctor the satisfaction. Oh, yeah, definitely. And security. Why, you wouldn't know what to do with a genuine, warm, decent feeling. <laughs> really, doctor? Yeah, that was a nice subtle way they put that there where basically McCoy says he doesn't Spock doesn't feel and he says you wouldn't know what to do with that and, and then he and then Spock just says really and basically they're both worried about Kirk and and that's you know he doesn't say well I'm worried about Kirk he just says really doctor and then McCoy knows what he's talking about I like the way they did that yeah they have such a you know a deep friendship I guess that they yeah they basically know exactly what they're each thinking really right understand one another yeah, and they're in the they're in the prison cell there, you know, trying to get out. Kind of not really a best situation. <laughs> and meanwhile, back in the, the pro back, consoles room. Yeah, back back at you know Kirk's lair here, and uh, you know with the blonde girl in the aluminum foil half dress. I do not understand. It's good to be the captain. It's good to be the captain. It's good to be Kirk, especially. Yeah, that's right. the first sign of pain. Kirk the Lotus Eater back here. Yeah, he need they they the got to give him a girl in the next movie too. It, it, you know, it just they they did that a bit in the first uh, you know Abrams film. So uh, well, actually, he was going after a couple of them. So they got to keep that going. Absolutely. They gave Spock probably almost more of a girl in that movie than uh, than Kirk, yeah. which was which was a which was a uh, kind of a cool twist. That was great. Well, she's gotten a lot bigger since that movie, right? Sorry, I was detained. Oh, Zoe, or, uh, Saldana, I think it's well, Zoe Saldana. Keeps, yeah, she definitely keeps popping up in a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. she had a, a one-two punch with Trek and, and Avatar, which right, right. didn't hurt at all, and probably will help her for, uh, heck, probably the way, for the rest of, the of her career. We took from yeah, you she's got some fashion gigs, too, like yeah. yeah, exactly right. See if he has it. Not that I would have punished her. <laughs> I would have blamed you. You're a Roman, Kirk, or you should have been. It's not of this person. No, for a consul. I am sorry I was detained. I trust that there was nothing further you required. Nothing except perhaps an explanation. Because you're a man, I owe you that. It's a good line here, too, coming up again. What he says about because Merrick. You are a man. Hey. Would you leave us, Merrick? The thoughts of one man to another cannot Ouch. possibly interest you. <laughs> oh, we're Ouch. definitely in sync, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're it's still good. Guy. He's a tough guy to work for, you know? And then, is it any wonder that Merrick... Uh, yeah, you're like... Uh, gets a little yeah. resentful. His management style leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
because you are a man, I gave you some last hours as a man. I appreciate that. Unfortunately, yeah, we must demonstrate that uh, defiance yeah, is Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to file a grievance. That's true. Press one if you're calling about the pro-consul. I wanted to I go just a little bit off the back, you know, to... The the name of this episode, Bread and Circuses, is actually comes from a Roman practice, and it's the arena games. Basically, is the idea that they would have these games in the coliseums and the arena, the the masses that were really you know poor and impoverished out there would come. They would give them free food at the games, and they would show them entertainment. You know, like you know, starship officers fighting each other, but. You may not understand. Keep them fed and entertained, and they won't be rioting out on the streets. Television. I've heard it was. I never knew quite what that reference was there, where Kirk says he says you're so far ahead of the you know ratings needs of television, and Kirk says something like I've heard it was similar. I guess what I'm reading online is that that was a reference to Trek and not being very good in the ratings, and they were trying to make a little plug or a little dig at at the fact they weren't getting very good ratings. In other words, Kirk would understand it because. Star Trek wasn't very well rated in So I never quite got that when he says I've heard it was similar. So uh, you know, but that that's I guess what it's supposed to be referenced to. You only die harder. Ah, now Flavius comes to the rescue. They they gun him down. This guy's got a machine gun like three feet away. Brief but memorable career. Now, just at the right moment, the Enterprise puts its plan in motion where it's knocking out the power and the lights. Gods, don't let him escape! The cavalry arrives and the lights get knocked out. Yep, and now Kirk Kirk runs off. Here's the scene, basically, they turn into a blooper where Kirk's running in to do this rescue on getting uh, McCoy and Spock out. Yeah, this 20 rounds should knock the lock off that old cell, yeah. <laughs> what happened, Jim? What did they do to you, Captain? They threw me a few curves. No time to explain. There's also another scene here where one of these guards runs in and slips on the floor in the bloopers, <laughs> too. There's some really good bloopers from this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. So now he's get pro counsel's giving him the opportunity. They're not going to gun him down. Of course, they're in each other's crossfire, but... So he throws him swords, and they're all kind of fighting here in this hallway. And Merrick finally shows his spine. He pulls up right. the communicator, calls the Enterprise to get them a signal lock on Kirk and the rest of them. Tosses in the communicator, yep, into the cell. They go into landing party, you know, stance, <laughs> and they beam up as they're shooting through them. Now, in the remastered version, they added uh, bullet holes in the wall. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. I don't know if I've watched the remastered of this one. Captain's log, I've got it sitting here, under, I think, in uh, on Blu-ray, right below me here on this stop. desk. Despite enormous temptation and strong personal feelings, ah. he obeyed the Prime Directive. His temporary blackout of the city below resulted in no interference with the society, and yet saved the ah. lives of myself Hello, Montgomery Scott. Yes. and the landing party. One of the few times you see them actually trying to explain why they violated the Prime Directive. <laughs> I mean, all the times Kirk does it pretty much daily, and Gentlemen, Scotty does it like once in his career, and he has to make a log entry report. <laughs> I am sorry. He's held to a different standard. Like that yes. huge sun worship. 
I wish we could have examined that belief of his more closely. It seems illogical for a sun worshiper to develop a philosophy of total brotherhood. Sun worship is usually a primitive superstition religion. I'm afraid you have it all wrong, Mr. Spock, all of you. I've been monitoring some of their old-style radio waves. The Empire spokesman trying to ridicule their religion. But he couldn't. Well, don't you understand? It's not the sun up in the sky. It's the son of God. Caesar. And Christ, they had them both. And the word is spreading only now. Philosophy of total love and total brotherhood. It will replace their imperial Rome, but it will happen in their 20th century. Wouldn't it be something to watch, to be a part of? To see it happen all over Oh, again. but we gotta leave. It would be great to see it, but uh, engage. Yeah, we're just gonna leave though. But you know, that was a little bit of a tagline there for for what they did in that book that we were talking about earlier. Yep. So there you have bread and circuses. Pretty cool episode, really. I like a, I like a lot of the moments in it, and it has some interesting things to say about you know religion and parallel worlds and starship captains and girls in tinfoil. All the fringe benefits of there too of being a captain. Yeah, here's some of the name. Rhodes, Reason, Flavius. Oh, okay, I just missed it in the credits. But uh, Jack Jack Perkins is the master of games, so he must be the announcer. Ah, uh, okay, right. Anyway, so that's from season two. Any any closing thoughts on that one uh, that you want to say? And we're gonna we've also got one comment to play from our friend Brian here, and we can talk about it after that. But anything else uh, that stands yeah, I mean, out? It, I, I you know as you say, it's a classic season two episode. Uh, you know the religious twist at the end is kind of surprising, given that it came from uh, from from Roddenberry and some sci-fi writers. But it's it's an enjoyable one nonetheless. Yeah, so. yeah. He usually really he he tried to for the most part pretty much shied away from any any religious overtures or talk. Uh, pretty much throughout anything he did on Trek, you know he he. I think always that he basically thought in the future religion wouldn't be that big of a part of people's lives. I don't know what you know. Right. But but anyway, he at least kept it out of the show for the most part. But yeah, you're right. This is this is a lot more. This is probably the maybe the biggest show that put that in, you know, you know, out there. They don't really, you know, it's on another planet. It's not really in the Federation or Starfleet that they're talking about it. But uh, but yeah, it's a good episode and uh, from season two and, and some cool moments. And, uh, you know, got got to like some of the outfits that they wear in this one. And uh, still want one of those sweatshirts. So, hey, yeah. I'm going to uh, pull up here and play our buddy Brian's comment. This may take a second or two doing his, uh, this. His Indian name would be Dances with iPads, right? <laughs> ah, that's or Stands with an iPad. We should... And now, yeah, you know what? I think Brian used his iPad to record this comment. So, uh -huh. uh, of course, of course. Yeah, so the um, we'll see how... Uh, it's an M4A file. Hmm, okay. All right, I'm going to play it, and uh, just hold on a second, and uh, you may hear it through my mic. I'm going to play it here pretty loudly, and then we okay. can, we'll come back and comment. That'll play in iTunes, won't it? Yeah, I okay. All right, just a second. Hey, Rico, it's Brian. 
Bread and circuses. So I can remember as a kid enjoying this episode, although for the life of me, I didn't understand the title. I mean, no clowns, and I really don't recall anyone eating a roll. So that was kind of lost on me. But despite that, this is a really classic Trek episode. It has a very cool sci-fi premise of a planet which has developed a society in parallel to that of Earth's, a concept which they actually use a few times in the original series. But in this case, the Roman Empire never fell and has uh, persevered into the 20th century. It makes for a great what-if story, gladiatorial games for the TV viewing era. TOS, once again, seems to almost predict the future of entertainment where content becomes more extreme in order to satisfy the viewing population. I also like the uh, police state guards in uh, place of the classic Roman centurions. Another really, another really interesting uh, aspect of the episode is uh, how it deals with religion especially considering that Gene Roddenberry was a bit of an atheist. Uh, it's a very clever writing sleight of hand, the way they refer to the children of the sun, making us throughout the episode think that they're referring to the star in the sky as opposed to the son of God. Um, it's a very interesting and very sympathetic look at uh, Christianity and uh, in a comparison of the, Christianity, the Christians being peaceful and, uh, and loving of peace and the Romans obviously being more violent and, uh, and you know, dictatorial. And uh, finally, obviously, there's some great action in this episode, um, and this, uh, the whole escape uh, from from Marcus when he's, uh, you know, Kirk and McCoy are trying to get away, and uh, the pro-council Marcus is trying to actually hide his planet in almost like a reverse prime directive, where he is in power, and he realizes that the Federation is more powerful, and he's trying to protect his little fiefdom and his power base, and doesn't want the Federation to know that the planet even exists. So I thought that was kind of kind of a cool way to sort of look at that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's a great episode. I'm really glad you took a look at it. Looking forward to what you have to say about it, as always. And, uh, by the way, I am recording this on the iPad. Talk to you later, my man. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had, to, he had to put that little uh, Apple plug in. No, no, it's yeah. okay. Hey, I, it's, it's a great little device. I, I, I saw Rick Peets last weekend uh, quite a bit, and uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely tempted. I, 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 w I would have to even say that uh, when, when iPad, if I don't have one before it, uh, when iPad version 2 comes out, I, I'll probably be there. But, uh, yeah, thanks for your comments, Brian. Uh, a very interesting uh, episode, and I, I definitely agree and, and like what you had to say. Uh, what did you have to say about that, Peter? Besides yeah. the iPad comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, was going to make a little snarky comment that at least he, he couldn't watch this episode in Flash from your website on the, uh, no. On the iPad. No, he couldn't do that. No, not on the <laughs> iPad at least, yeah. <laughs> no. But maybe you have to start doing it in HTML5. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it, it's a great episode. A lot of uh, a lot of cool moments in it. And I, I, I love the, you know... Some of the stuff that, like I was saying when we were watching it, uh, about the whole, you know, spaceship captain versus starship captain, and, and just, again, you know, they always focus so much on Kirk and crew and the Enterprise and all that. You don't get this idea of what what else, you know, what are every, what's everybody else doing in the Federation, you know, or or other people that have ships. They, they touched on it a little bit in other series, a little bit in Enterprise, and a couple other times, but uh, for the most part, it's a very, you know, you know. It's a show about Starfleet and 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 that. So uh, right. so that right. was kind of cool and uh, and and I like the fact that he sort of redeems himself at the end. You know, trying, yeah. trying to save uh, Kirk and the rest. Well, he does save them ultimately by uh, beaming them out. So uh, so yeah, it's a cool cool episode. 
Anything else, Peter, about it that you'd want to add? Or uh... No, that's all I had. You know, I, I had a great time doing this, Rico, and I thank you for, uh, for having me on board today. Good, good. All right. Well, um, I'm going to just take a short break. Uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining me, and then I'm going to come back with just a, a couple of quick just updates on what's coming up on the podcast. So uh, just thanks, hang, Rico. On. hang on. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining me today. Okay, everyone. Well, I want to thank Peter so much for joining me today on Treks and Sci-Fi for this look at bread and circuses. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to be looking at the John Carpenter movie from, I think it's 1978, called Halloween, especially considering next week's podcast will be released on Halloween. So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, I guess that's about it. Again, everyone, thanks so much for downloading and listening to this week's edition of the show. And uh, if you're not a member of the forums, check that out when you can. Uh, Donations are always welcome. And uh, I will talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye for now.